the home of the Suns. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. And listen live on the Arizona Sports app. The Suns run to the playoffs. Presented by Canvas Annuity. Welcome back. It's the Burns and Gambo Show here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station, flagship home of the Phoenix Suns, who tonight are in Memphis, Tennessee, taking on the Memphis Grizzlies. And joining us right now on the 72 Sold Sports Line to talk about a team that very well could face the Suns in the Western Conference Finals, Drew Hill, beat writer who covers the Grizzlies for the Daily Memphian, who joins us on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Drew, I'm Dave. This is Gambo. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Well, Drew, it's fun to look back. You know, we were, we were talking about this earlier in the show. Four years ago, how, how bad the Phoenix Suns, the Memphis Grizzlies, the Dallas Mavericks were, and now they're the top three teams in the West. We know very well how Phoenix got to where they are, but talk talk to me about, besides the John Morant luck in the draft, that year they were hoping to give the draft pick to the Celtics, what were the moves, right? They had Tony Allen, Zach Randolph, Marcus Gasol, and, and Mike Conley. What were the big moves that the Grizzlies made besides jaw to get them to this point? Honestly, a lot of it has just been drafting very, very well. Uh, before they had jaw, they drafted Jaron Jackson Jr., who showed a little bit of, of, of shooting early in his career. Then he had the inside scoring presence, but, but he's become a really tremendous defender. He's a defensive player of the year um, candidate, at, at least an outside candidate for that award. Um, so uh, that was a great draft pick. Desmond Bain was a fantastic draft pick for the Memphis Grizzlies. The last pick of the first round, he's turned into a 20-point-per-game scorer, and he's been great um, you know, alongside Ja as a shooter um, for the Grizzlies. So that was another tremendous draft pick. And then they've just found guys that fit well around those players. The, the Steven Adams trade was uh, criticized pretty heavily this offseason because Jonas Valanciunas was such a, a good scorer inside. But the way that the Grizzlies saw it was that Steven is a more versatile defender and probably a little bit better of a rebounder than Jonas Valanciunas was. And he wasn't going to demand the ball on offense, so the shots would get to go to the right guys. And then you, you got to mention a guy like Tyus Jones, who they brought in as a backup point guard uh, before Ja arrived, and he's really been so steady for them uh, in that role when Ja has missed games this year. And he doesn't turn the ball over. He's a great passer, uh, a decent shooter. And, you know, when you combine all those things together, uh, it, it's just been a, a tremendous recipe for success. And I should also mention Dylan Brooks as well. He was a second-round draft pick, you know, the year before Jaron got there, and, and there weren't very high expectations for him when he comes in. Um, but he's kind of the heart and soul of the team. He's the little bit of crazy that every team needs. And so uh, it, it's just been a great recipe. Um, and, and you you got to give Zach Kleiman in the front office a lot of credit for figuring out a way to usher out the old generation of Grizzlies that you mentioned and bringing in these new guys. And they're just a fearless team with a lot of guys that for you know whatever reason have a huge ship on their shoulder everyone knows John Morant's story but the same can be said for a guy like Desmond Bain who went in the last pick of the first round and played four years of college and another zero star recruit at high school right, right. Um, they, they've just drafted guys that 
want are, are want to work hard and feel like they're underrated. And uh, I think that that really you know works well off of each other. Drew Hill, Grizzlies beat writer for the Daily Memphian, he joins us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. And then of course there there's Jaw. But before I ask you about Jaw, I kind of want to ask you about life without Jaw. And in your opinion, uh, I mean, all and I'm, I imagine I don't want you to repeat yourself necessarily because you just spoke glowingly about all those other guys. Is that the core reason why they've been able to do so well without him? Is some of it schedule based? What's been sort of the reason behind the great record without John Morant? It's a combination of both. Um, I think earlier in the season when you looked at it and they went on that 11-game win streak when when Ja was not there, a lot of that was schedule-based. You know, It was in the middle of the COVID stuff going on where every team was just throwing out a roster of guys off the street, it felt like, um, and the Grizzlies had great depth. They, they drafted so well um, and, and pieced together guys on the back end of their rotation who may not even see very many playoff minutes, but they're good enough to win games when the other team is missing their best player. So that was certainly a part of it. And then the other part of it is they've just had guys step up so well. And as of late, that opinion of, of the scheduling has changed a little bit. I mean, they beat the, the Brooklyn Nets on a game on ESPN without John Morant, where both Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant played combined for 78 points and lost. They've never scored that many points and lost, uh, you know, as a duo. And then they turned around and followed up that win uh, with another blowout over the Milwaukee Bucks, who didn't have Drew Holiday, but they did have Giannis and they did have Chris Middleton. Um, and those were both highly impressive wins for whatever reason they just shoot the ball a lot better when jaw is not on the court um i I think it's just a mentality thing we've got to make up the points somehow so they for for whatever reason they've shot it a lot better from three-point range and then um in addition to that it's just the attitude of you know, no one seems – no one, I guess, prior to the last two months really took the Grizzlies seriously, and I think there was a motivation there to prove everybody wrong. Yeah. And that combination of things has really worked out well for the Grizzlies when they haven't had Jaw. Yeah, no, Jaw's unbelievable in the open court, right? But not a great shooter, not a great half-court player. And a lot of people feel like, you know, when his team gets to the playoffs, you know, they thrive on possessions, you know, forcing turnovers, getting offensive rebounds, but not in a half-court court that when you get to the playoffs and it becomes more half half court Memphis could struggle do you buy that I buy it to a degree um, I, I, I'm not fully invested in that I think that the Grizzlies are going to be able to play their own game in the playoffs I know everyone says that the game slows down and that is true to a degree it does become a little bit more of a half court game but the Grizzlies are so good at getting out in transition but they're getting out in transition off of missed free throws, off of made baskets. They'll just inbound it as quick as possible and race down the floor. And I think that they're not going to change. That's not changing when they get to the playoffs this season. So um, they're still going to be able to play fast. I believe that. But at the same time, I think you're right. They are going to have to be better in the half court. Um, and they seem to play a little bit better in the half court when Jaws not out there. He's just so dynamic and so aggressive. 
that uh, that they are going to have to a few things to work out. And it's unfortunate for them that he's missing time right now with the knee because this is the time that they should be you know working out those kinks. And instead, you know, he's having to rest on the bench. Drew Hill, beat writer who covers the Memphis Grizzlies, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show from the Daily Memphian. It, it used to drive us crazy this time a year ago when people would talk about the Suns going into the playoffs and they'd say, oh, lack of experience this, lack of experience that. You, I, I know the Grizzlies went to the playoffs last year and lost in the first round of the Utah Jazz, but, but sometimes that lack of experience card gets played when making an argument against Memphis. Is, is that legit when you start talking about their postseason hopes? Uh, again, I think it's it, the truth is somewhere in the middle yeah. here. Yes, they did go to the playoffs. I mean, Ja and both Dylan Brooks were tremendous in that entire series. Um, just because, you know, I mean, Ja scored 47 points in a loss in game two uh, at Utah last year. So we know that they can perform at a high level in the playoffs. The reason I, I, I don't buy that quite as much is because this Grizzlies team is just so different from a year ago. Uh, a year ago, they had Grayson Allen in the starting lineup. He was a hole defensively for them. Uh, now you've replaced him with Desmond Bain, who's been an even better shooter and a much better player. Uh, and he's you know definitely part of the mix. And the other side of this was the difference between Steven Adams and Jonas Valanciunas. So it is a different look Grizzlies team. Uh, and so I, for that reason, I'm not you know, willing to say that that inexperience is necessarily going to hurt them because I think it's going to be just a totally different look in general when the Grizzlies get to the playoffs than it was a year ago. So we'll see if this new version of the Grizzlies, if that experience helped them. Um, I'm not sure how much they're going to be able to lean on that. Leave me with this. One of the familiar faces for, for the Grizzlies is a guy played for the Suns and DeAnthony Melton. He's made 30 of his last 51 three-pointers. He's playing very well for them. What, what has happened with this game? I know he's hot and cold at times, but what has happened in Memphis where he's been able to get his career on track? Yeah, he's streaky. He, he's, he's definitely a streaky shooter. He's actually worked on his mechanics on that three-point shot um, quite a bit in these off-seasons. And part of, I think, the reason why Taylor Jenkins, as well as your guys' guy, Monty Williams, are two of the guys at the top of the list for Coach of the Year this season is because Taylor wants them to let it fly. And there's no one that he says, you know, let it fly to more than DeAnthony Melton. They always thought that he was a good shooter that early in his career the numbers did not reflect you know how good he was at, at letting it go from three-point range and you're starting to see um, what uh, uh, an inspiring coach and a little bit of confidence can do for a guy like that he disappeared in the playoffs last year I think if there's anyone that is critically important to the Grizzlies it is Jaron Jackson Jr. and DeAnthony Melton when it comes to playoff time they know what they're going to get from Ja for the most part Desmond Bain has been so steady. They know what they're going to get from him. Uh, they don't always know what they're going to get from DeAnthony and from Jaron. And so for that reason, I, I think he and Jaron Jackson Jr. are going to be super, super important and come playoff it, time. And if these two teams meet come playoff time, I'm going to remember you said that, Drew. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it, okay? Yeah, thanks, guys. Have a good one.